for the final installment of Press Play, a two-parter, we're taking a look back at the year that was 2021 in games. Ooh, it sure was a year. Despite the pandemic continuing and just after the launch of next-gen consoles from Sony and Microsoft, this has been an eventful year for video games, for better and worse. We take a look back at some of the key points of the year from the industry, the good, the bad, and the very fucking ugly in one company's case, as we say goodbye to 2021 and look towards 2022. For Play Diaries, this is Press Play. I'm Johnny Cole. Let's start. January. January saw us pick up where we left off in 2020, still with an airborne plague. Covid suddenly didn't disappear at midnight on December 31st. Thankfully, there have been green shoots of the pandemic coming to an end, relatively speaking, with the rollout of vaccines and more over the course of this year. Although since writing the script for this episode, Omicron has rolled in hard, so thanks for that. Please get the vaccine and booster, please. On the game releases front, it was light, but what was here was not too shabby for the start of the year. Hitman 3 for PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch via the cloud and PC, as well as the return of Scott Pilgrim vs the World, the modern platforms. On the game's news front, the year kicked off with Nintendo announcing the acquisition of Luigi's Mansion developer Next Level Games. Meanwhile, we started to get an idea of what to expect from the first two of the three titles Epic Games Publishing announced for its lineup. Inside developer Playdead confirmed its next game was a sci-fi third-person adventure game and Gen Design, the independent studio set up by former Team Eco boss Fumido Ueda that helped get The Last Guardian out of the door with Japan Studio, teased what was coming with its next game with new art. Play Diaries didn't start properly for 2021 until the week of January 11th, but already news was kicking off thick and fast. For one, LucasArts was back, albeit under a different name, Lucasfilm Games. But the new publishing label of the House of Vader, similar to how Marvel Games is operating, was not wasting any time. It announced the first non-EA AAA Star Wars game in 8 years, as it announced that the division developer Ubisoft Massive was working on a new open world Star Wars game making it to Disney IP for the studio alongside its Avatar project. But despite the end of EA's exclusivity deal, it did say that EA would have several games in the works involved in the series. That does sound like code for Jedi Fallen Order 2 from Respawn. More on EA's Star Wars plans will be announced in 2022. Lucasfilm Games wasn't done there however. Outside of Star Wars, it announced a new AAA Indiana Jones game, 
the first AAA game from the Explorer since 2004's Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, not including the cancelled Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings after it from around 2007-2008, from Bethesda, Swedish Wolfenstein Studio Machine Games, and to be executive produced by Bethesda Game Studio Studio Director Todd Howard on top of his work on Starfield and The Elder Scrolls VI. Can that man do everything? You know what, I am actually starting to think that he actually can. Back on EA, it announced the formation of Full Circle, a new studio in Vancouver that would develop the next skate game that was announced in June of 2020. Later in the year, EA would drop a video showing development work on game feature mocap, but anyone expecting gameplay footage over the course of 2021 would be sorely disappointed. Finally, Activision Blizzard announced it was merging Vicarious Visions into Blizzard as a support studio despite the massive success of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. It's later reported and subsequently revealed officially a month later at BlizzCon that Vicarious Visions is actually working on a remake of Diablo 2. This would mark the beginning though of what was to come for Activision Blizzard over the course of 2021. February February did see more key games released than January did. Remedy launched Control Ultimate Edition on PS5 and Xbox Series machines. There was even a PS Plus game for February, as well as the releases of Little Nightmares 2 from Bandai Namco and Tarsier. Super Mario 3D World got a Nintendo Switch release along with new content Bowser's Fury. Persona 5 Strikers launched a Musou sequel to the main game and Royal for PS4 and Switch. And Bravery Default 2 released as a Switch exclusive, although it would launch on PC later in the year. On the news front, Square Enix held a major online event for Final Fantasy XIV, announcing the MMO's next big expansion. Endwalker, as well as announce a proper PlayStation 5 version of the game that would subsequently release later in the year. As first indicated in a deal announced at the end of 2019, MLB The Show 21 was announced for PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4, and Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One, the first time the series would go multi-platform. The game would launch in mid-April and would also arrive from day one on rival service Xbox Game Pass. 
It was the most jarring scene in gaming this year to see PlayStation Studios and Sony San Diego splash cards coming up on a game released on Xbox. I can attest to this having bought MLB The Show on Xbox Series X. For the record, I didn't buy it just for this. I am a surprising biannual MLB The Show fan. What wasn't so much jarring for Sony on a first party level as it was heartbreaking and frankly mind-boggling was that it announced it was winding down the development, effectively announcing its closure of long-time legacy developer Japan Studio, who have been behind the likes of Team Eco Games, Bloodborne and Demon's Souls with From Software, and the latter's remake with Bluepoint Games for PlayStation 5, as well as a ton, ton more. One team did separate itself from Japan Studio before its closure, however, Sony announced that Astro's Playroom and Astrobot developer Team Asobi would continue as a standalone developer. Despite that, Japan Studio's closure signified a significant reduction in Sony's development workforce in its home country, with just Team Asobi and Gran Turismo developer Polyphony Digital left. And it didn't leave a whole lot of confidence in later comments that it was still committed to Japan as a market as a result following previous reports around PlayStation 5's launch indicating the opposite. Sony wasn't the only one shutting down studios in February, although what Google did was on a much larger and wider scale. It announced it was closing its first party development arm for Google Stadia despite numerous acquisitions and setting up teams in Montreal and Los Angeles, the latter meant to be headed up by former Sony Santa Monica studio head Shannon Studstill. It also announced that while Stadia would continue as a service for consumers, it would offer it as a white label service for publishers going forward. The first to pick up on this would be Warner Bros. much later in 2021 with a cloud version of Batman Arkham Knight. Here's some other headlines from February. Bioware announced the cancellation of Anthem Next, a full-scale reboot of the studio's new IP that had only launched two years earlier. Servers remained live for the original game, but developers were otherwise moved on to the next Mass Effect and Dragon Age games, as well as continued work on Star Wars The Old Republic. Sony officially announced the next-gen PlayStation VR headset, and would subsequently reveal the headset's controllers a month later, although as of recording this, the headset itself has yet to be officially unveiled despite the promise of a 2022 launch. Gran Turismo 7 was delayed from a 2021 launch. Who didn't see that coming? And was pushed into 2022. Polyphony Digital's next game in the franchise was originally announced for PlayStation 5, but Sony would announce the game for PS4 as well later in the year and get an official launch date. But we'll get to that later. And Days Gone became Sony's second first party project to launch on PC following the launch of Horizon Zero Dawn in 2020 and there'd be more on the way. But again, we'll get to that later. TikTok, a tale for two developer, Other Tales Interactive, teased its next project. It's called Hermit Road, and although there's very few details on it, what is confirmed is it'll explore themes of loneliness, love, and music, specifically songwriting. In fact, it was described by the Danish developer as a walking simulator in concert. Speaking in the very first episode of Press Play at the start of 2020, Other Tales co-founder Mira Dorothy told Play Diaries the name of the company would reflect what it's working on. I think it's a little bit in the company as well, like this, it's, we're called Other Tales Interactive, so there's something like 
you want to tell some stories, but they also have to have that otherness about them. Yeah. That it's, uh, yeah. Hermit Road definitely looks like it has an otherness to it, don't you think? And EA's acquisition of Codemasters was approved and made official. That's all there is to it. That's it. Finally, for the first time in over a year and a half, Nintendo held a bona fide, full fat Nintendo Direct again. Hallelujah! Not seen since September 2019, Nintendo had been rolling with game specific broadcasts, direct minis, and indie world presentations over the course of the pandemic. But in February, we got to see a brand new, full fledged direct presentation for the first time in a year and a half, as I mentioned. As part of it, the announcement of The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD, although no details or new footage of the sequel to Breath of the Wild would be forthcoming in the presentation, as well as the surprise announcement of Splatoon 3 for a 2022 launch. March. March's big releases came in the form of Marvel's Avengers finally getting its current gen release on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S, as well as It Takes Two from Hazelight and Joseph Farris as well as EA. Also out this month was Balan Underworld from Square Enix and Sonic creator Yuji Naka, although the less said on that the better, as well as Disco Elysium The Final Cut on PlayStation and PC, with Xbox and Switch falling later in the year, and an Xbox release of Undertale. On the news front, early March saw the NI Game Awards, that's the Northern Ireland Game Awards in case you don't really know what acronyms stand for, hosted by yours truly in Derry with How Not To Make Games host Stuart Neal and Twitch streamer Psych hosting the live portion of the show in Belfast. Inertial Drift developer Level91 walked away with several awards including Best Game, while Brain and Nerd won Best Studio and Hightail from Hypixel won Most Anticipated among all the awards. Oh, and um, some idiot acted the gap announcing a new season of some stupid podcast. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Presenting is not my full-time job. <gasps> I know, shocking, right? I am legitimately excited to share with you for the first time the guest lineup and trailer for season five of My Favorite Game. Yes, five years after the last full season of the show and the first full season of the show under the Play Diaries banner, my favourite game returned for a fifth season featuring games such as Journey, Mass Effect 2, Persona 5 and, to tie it into a release that happens later in March, a two-parter on Undertale featuring the likes of Red Fred Games' Ragnar Tornquist. My favourite game is Journey. Annapurna Interactive's Kelsey Hansen. My favourite game is Mass Effect 2. Roll 7's Anissa Sanusi. My favourite game is Persona 5 Royal. Polygon Treehouse's Alex Canaris Sotiru. My favourite game is The Secret of Monkey Island. Metronomics' Juan Hasmer. My favourite game is Day of the Tentacle. And more. So all in all, the NI Game Awards was the biggest news story of March. Now, on the April. What? Did you expect anything else? <sighs> Fine, let's talk Microsoft and Bethesda.
Yes, the $7.5 billion megaton union between Microsoft and Bethesda, first announced in September 2020, was officially approved by the European Union as well as the SEC in the US, and eventually made official the week of March 8th. In light of the deal finishing up, during a roundtable event involving both parties to signify things becoming official, Microsoft added 20 Bethesda games to Xbox Game Pass following a first wave previously at the end of 2020, including Dishonored 1 and 2, plus Death the Outsider from Arcane, Fallout 4 and Fallout 76 from Bethesda Game Studios, and Fallout New Vegas from now first party brethren of City and Entertainment. A good bulk of the Doom franchise, and a lot, lot more. Despite the appearance of Bethesda Game Studios director Todd Howard at the round table, there was no new blowout on the previously announced Starfield or The Elder Scrolls 6. But things do come to those who wait a few more months on the former. For the latter, you're gonna probably have to end up waiting a little longer than just a few months. Square Enix announced the next Life is Strange game, known as True Colors. The game marked a significant change as it was the first game in the series that would be released as one whole game and not episodically. It was also the first original game in the series to come from Deck Nine Studios who made Life is Strange 1 prequel before the storm. The game would centre around Alex Chen who was uncovering the secrets behind her brother's death as well as discovered she can process other people's emotions in a strong way. The game would come out in September on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC. It was announced for Nintendo Switch in June and subsequently released before the end of the year. Also announced was remastered versions of the Max and Chloe saga of the franchise, Life is Strange 1 and Life is Strange Before the Storm, which were planned for a 2021 launch on the platforms just mentioned. But due to the pandemic, that release was pushed into February 2022. To hold fans up in that regard, and give them a little bit of a thanks, a DLC involving fan favourite character Steph Gingrich was released for True Colours just after the game's release. Following Google mothballing first party game dev efforts a month earlier, now former Stadia first party boss and former EA Motive and Ubisoft Toronto founder Jade Raymond wasn't waiting about to do her next thing. She announced the formation of a brand new studio in Montreal, Haven. And furthermore, it signed with Sony to make a new IP that would be funded and published by PlayStation. The deal between Haven was the first Sony would announce in making similar deals with Upstart Studios across 2021, including Firewalk Studios, comprising the former Bungie alumni, including ex-CEO Harold Ryan, as well as Devolution Studios from ex-Treyarch and Call of Duty veterans Dave Anthony and Jason Blundell. That's on top of an acquisition spree that would start in summer, but we'll get to that. In other news during March, Sony co-bought fighting game tournament EVO. That was one that came out of nowhere. Nintendo said in the aftermath of the announcement it was reassessing its support for it and other tournaments going forward. That doesn't sound encouraging for Super Smash Bros support going forward. Epic announced the acquisition of Tonic Group, the parent company of Fall Guys and murder by numbers developer Mediatonic as well as publisher The Irregular Corp. In light of the disastrous launch of Cyberpunk 2077 at the end of 2020, CD Projekt Red cancels its in-development Cyberpunk multiplayer project. It alludes to multiplayer being part of future projects within Cyberpunk and The Witcher later in the year though. Undertale, as you will have heard me say at the start of this segment, 
came to Xbox for the first time on Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One and also arrived on Xbox Game Pass too. Here's Victoria Tran of Among Us developer Ernest Loth and producer Kitty Crawford from Season 5 of My Favorite Game telling you why it's their favorite game. It's a thing that surprised a lot of people and that's kind of the joy of it. And even if you know the surprises that are coming, um, I think they have so much life to them and it feels like they live, they exist in a world outside of you that it kind of uh, makes you enjoy it even when you know what's happening and the way they make, they break the fourth wall sometimes and you're like, maybe this does exist. I don't feel like I'm I'm seriously I am seriously playing a dating sim but I'm not at the same time like it's just so comedically done that not in a way that I'm laughing at the characters but that I'm just enjoying seeing their silliness really have its time to shine and and have a platform and I also like you know when you do the one with um, Papyrus I just, you know, I didn't see it coming. I didn't realize this was going to happen. And then it happens and it just feels so surreal. Finally, Tango Gameworks veteran and Ghostwire Tokyo creator Ikumi Nakamura, who endeared to everyone following her appearance at E3 2019 to announce the new IP, announced she had set up a new studio to work on a brand new IP featuring a mix of domestic and international talent. She also revealed for the first time her departure from Tango Gameworks in September 2019, a few months after that E3 stage appearance, was down to illness, saying in a video by a Japan-based documentarian Archpale, I hope I pronounced that right, that she had quote-unquote took the decision to quit before it was too late. Regarding stepping away from Ghostwire Tokyo, Nakamura made the comparison of giving a child up for adoption when it came for her leaving Tango and the game saying she was the project's quote-unquote birth mother that had to give it away for someone else on the team, quote-unquote, to raise it. And while she admitted it was really hard, it would have had no meaning if she wasn't healthy. April April had a lot more big game releases during the month than there was news at this point. New Square Enix and People Can Fly IP Outriders launched on Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, PlayStation 4 and PC. And not only that, but launched day one on Xbox Game Pass. Also launching on Game Pass from day one was, as alluded to earlier, MLB The Show 21 from Sony San Diego for Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One, although naturally it did arrive on PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 as well. Near Replicant, the quasi-remake slash remaster of the original Nier that launched in Japan for PlayStation 3 a decade ago, was released on PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC. Oddworld Soulstorm arrived on PlayStation 5 and was made available as a PlayStation Plus game for the month. It would later arrive on Xbox and PC later in the year. Two key first-party releases also launched during April. New Pokemon Snap for Nintendo Switch and Returnal for PlayStation 5 from Housemark. The roguelike third-person shooter from the Finnish developer would go on to provide big things for it later in the year. News-wise, there wasn't a whole lot to bang home about, but the return of E3 was announced, albeit in digital only. The majority of third-party publishers would support its return as would two of the three main platform holders. But one would still hold out, Sony, who announced that it would not take part in E3 2019, 
nor the 2020 show pre-cancellation via COVID in the year PS5 launch. Meanwhile, after 19 years, Jeff from the Overwatch team was heading for the Blizzard exit door. Overwatch director Jeff Kaplan announced he was leaving the company in the middle of development on Overwatch 2. Kaplan's departure came just a few short months before the scandal that would engulf Blizzard and its parent company. Reports indicated in April a significant first party reshuffle of projects at Sony. For one, a remake of The Last of Us 1 that was initially in the works at Sony's otherwise unnamed VASG studio in San Diego had been handed back to Naughty Dog, with the latter at work of its previously mentioned next generation multiplayer suite of The Last of Us, as well as early plans on a new Uncharted game. Days Gone developer Sony Bend had also been tasked to help make The Last of Us multiplayer project and the Uncharted project, but amid worries it be seen as a satellite studio to Naughty Dog, Sony Bend was taken off both projects at its request. It was also revealed it had pitched a Days Gone sequel in 2019 following the release of the first game, but in light of its lengthy development process, as well as a lukewarm critical reception, it was not greenlit. A few months later, it is officially confirmed by PlayStation Studios president Herman Hulse that Sony Band is working on a brand new IP. Also in the news in April, Oxenfree 2 is announced by Night School Studios. And in just that one moment, the world exploded in joy. Or maybe that was just me. Whatever. Announced just for Nintendo Switch and PC originally, a PlayStation version is announced later in the year. Oxenfree 2 will launch in early 2022. And the next game from the team behind Celeste extremely okay games is also announced a 2d exploration action game known as earthblade may May usually sees the industry mostly coming to a halt ahead of new silly season, but that doesn't mean big releases weren't forthcoming. Resident Evil Village released for current and last gen hardware as we became obsessed with Lady Mommy. Sorry. Lady Mommy. Sorry. Lady Mommy. Stop it! <clears throat> Lady Dimitrescu Mommy. Stop! <clears throat> Excuse me. Also out in May was Biomutant and Knockout City, but arguably the biggest release of the month, if not Resident Evil Mommy. Stop it! Was the launch of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Good god, my desk has a lot of reverb. <laughs> The long clamoured for and requested remaster of the Shepard trilogy between 2007 and 2012 of Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 and all of their DLC, well besides Mass Effect 1's pinnacle station due to lost source code, finally launched on PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC 
naturally backwards compatible on PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series machines as well. With its release came the best release of games within one package since the release in 2007 of the Orange Box. As I wrote in Play Diaries critical analysis of it, quote, For older players, Mass Effect Legendary Edition is the best way to play all three games on modern hardware. For newer players, that statement is also very much true, but especially for Mass Effect 1, considering the amount of work done on it than any other game in the collection. Unquote. May was also a big month for Final Fantasy, primarily Final Fantasy XIV. No, there was no new showing of Final Fantasy XVI this year as previously promised by producer Naoki Yoshida, but admittedly, the new expansion for Final Fantasy XIV and Walker got a big new showing as part of Final Fantasy XIV's virtual fanfest, including a release date of November 19th, although that'd be delayed by two weeks later in the year, as well as the official launch of the PlayStation 5 version of the MMO. Also revealed at the FanFest was the news that Final Fantasy VI, VII, VIII and X director Yoshinori Kitase was to become the new boss of the Final Fantasy franchise, taking over from previous brand director Shinji Hashimoto. Also in May, The Garden Path was announced from one person dev team Carrot Cake. It sees you take over a long forgotten garden that you're tasked to bring back the life and crafts of your own hands for a storybook aesthetic that allows for a quite charming look. Originally due to launch this year, the Garden Path will now arrive next year on PC. Sony gave the first big look at gameplay of Horizon Forbidden West following its reveal nearly a year earlier as part of the PlayStation 5's official unveil. Guerrilla's RPG sequel was planned to launch in 2021 for PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 but was shunted into 2022. More on that later. And Ubisoft finally provided a launch date of October 7th for Far Cry 6 from Ubisoft Toronto. One of the biggest news stories of 2021 outright was the conflict and humanitarian crisis in Palestine that was instigated by Israeli forces. During that time, a bundle of independent games from independent developers was made available on itch.io that was curated by Toolhouse Games founder Alana Lanier. Some of the games included Celeste, Baba is You, Mini Metro, Retrace, and a ton more in a group of games headlined by Laia and the Shadows of War, a game made by a Palestinian developer centered around surviving a bombing run in Gaza. Speaking to Play Diaries earlier this year, Lanier talked of the unity the games industry has as one when a tragic event such as what happened in Palestine happens. I feel like we put a lot of love into what we create and it feels good to have something that you've created with love help others. So they're more than willing when they're called upon for such an obvious cause when something so tragic happens that it gives it makes everyone pay attention because it's very it's incredibly difficult to get everyone to pay attention to anything. Mm. So once everyone's paying attention and you can't ignore it any longer. It would make sense to me that particularly indie devs, any game dev, but particularly indie devs, um, because we do have a lot of heart, would then want to be like, right, well, I want to help. I don't know how. Here's what I have. I have no money. <laughs> I have no land. But I have these little creations that I've made. And if that helps, then please, by all means, take my children and make them do good. Here you are. The bundle ran for two weeks and had an original fundraising target of $500,000 but went on to surpass that and hit shy of a million dollars at $900,000 with all proceeds going to the United Nations Relief and Works Agency in full, supporting food assistance 
as well as mental and physical health protection within Palestine. June. June. Welcome to the first of two annual Silly Seasons and Games. New Silly Season and Review Silly Season. This was very much new Silly Season. And it showed. But June did have a few big releases. There was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart from Insomniac for PlayStation 5. Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate. Featuring a remaster of the first part of the Final Fantasy VII Remake as well as Integrate DLC that introduced Yuffie during events of the main game. Also for PlayStation 5 which would release on PC later in the year. And there was the futuristic apocalyptic RPG Scarlet Nexus from Bandai Namco for Xbox and PlayStation. But for all intents and purposes, June was earmarked for one thing and one thing only. E3. Beforehand, Sony announced it was delaying the release of the next God of War game from Sony Santa Monica into 2022, and also announced it was coming to PlayStation 4 on top of a previously announced PlayStation 5 release. This came alongside news of a PS4 release for Gran Turismo 7 and news on Sony Band's new IP that was referenced a minute ago in April. EA, after some winks and nods, announced Battlefield 2042, the next main game in the series from DICE along with support from other studios, including Criterion Games which saw its first game as a lead dev in 9 years, the next Need for Speed game, delayed as a result. And before its E3 event, Ubisoft announced a renaming of Rainbow Six Quarantine, the next main entry in the series due to the obvious negative connotations of the word in light of the past two years at this point. Rainbow Six Parasite was one title that was considered going by tests of the game, but Ubisoft told Play Diaries at the time it was merely an internal placeholder. The final name was announced as Rainbow Six Extraction. It subsequently be announced for a September launch, but Ubisoft would later push the game to 2022. The game is now currently planned for January 18th, 2022 launch. Following all of that, it was time for the madness to begin. And began hard, not even with E3 officially, but with E3 exile Jeffrey Keighley and his competitor Summer Game Fest kickoff. Jeff Keighley kicked things off with Borderlands spin-off Tiny Tina's Wonderlands for a spring 2022 launch. Having a chat with his BFF Hideo Kojima to announce Death Stranding Director's Cut for PlayStation 5. And the announcement of a new publishing label from Deep Silver Parent Company Koch Media. Not Coke. Not Cock Media. Koch. Koch. In Prime Matter. Which was confirmed to publish Payday Free from Starbreeze. The one more thing came in the form of... Well, I'll let Kitty do his thing. This is extremely special. Today, I am so deeply honored to be given the opportunity to share this next game. It comes from one of our industry's most acclaimed developers and a previous Game of the Year winner at the Game Awards. So, without further ado, please sit back and enjoy this truly spectacular world premiere. It is finally Time For the first time in two years, Elden Ring was shown to the world. From Software and George R. R. Martin's collaboration was underground for the longest time since its debut at E3 2019. But it finally arrived with its first real showing of gameplay, with confirmation of PS5 and Xbox Series launches, and a January 2022 release date. 
except publisher Bandai Namco would delay the game by a month later in the year, the February 18th, 2022. E3 weekend began on Saturday with two unofficial events. The second of a two weekend stream featuring the Gorilla Collective and the much anticipated Wholesome Direct. One game shown during the Gorilla Collective featured Venice 2089, a game where you explore a heavily flooded Venice amid an environmental disaster. Here's Giacomo of developer Safe Play Studios. The message of the game uh, in the end will be um, what to do now, mm, how, what can we do now in 2021 to try to not get to the situation of 2089 because yeah it's kind of exaggerated of how, how much we portrayed the, the climate crisis in Venice uh, but uh, you can't really know what is going to happen so through, through our vision through our slightly exaggerated vision uh, we wanted to tell uh, and put emphasis on uh, uh, it, it's a it's a world where um, the, the worst has already happened so it's not much uh, how can you do to save Venice then, it's uh, what can you do to save Venice now in 2020. The Wholesome Direct, the best E3 period showcase from 2020, returned for 2021 and provided once again one of the best presentations in the traditional E3 period. We'll cover more on Wholesome later in the episode, but the Wholesome Direct featured big showings from two key games in the scene. The first, Button City from Subliminal Gaming. Here's Ryan and Shandine Woodward from Subliminal Gaming. Uh, we're just generally inspired by Nintendo. Um, oh. That's one of our favorite things. So um, a lot of the art in Button City, it's just a celebration of um, games we love, little references here and there. But I love the colors in Splatoon. Um, and mm. I think I could, like, it definitely falls into um, the things we were looking at in terms of inspiration. Outside of art as well, um, mm. in some gameplay, Whips. Um, like the structure of exploration in Button City, uh, I would always kind of tie back to like uh, the town in Majora's Mask. Um, I just really loved uh, all the side quests in there. I always had like a really, um, it always really resonated with me. The second featured a full reveal of Paleo Lifeson Villager game Ambral from Ambertail Games. Here's creative director Jordan Bradley. We want Ambrell to feel more like every character has their own job and occupation and personality and they, you know, will have fights with each other, but may, you know, give lip to the player. But as you, like, get to know them, you'll start to, like, you know, learn things about them. So, oh, the reason why this character is, like, you know, so much of an ass to me is because he's, like, you know, really struggling with, like, this sense of his, this part of his personality and he feels like he's being, you know, pigeonholed into like being a certain thing that he doesn't know how else to be and he has all this caginess around. So we can have some really like sort of like a lot more very relatable, very human stories in there. The first major event officially under E3 and the organizers ESA came in the form of Ubisoft, re-revealing the now renamed Rainbow Six Extraction as well as an autumn launch of Riders Republic and a sequel of Mario and Rabbits called Mario and Rabbits Sparks of Hope for Nintendo Switch. The one more thing comprised of the full unveil of Ubisoft Massive's Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, long in the works alongside the upcoming films and running on the Snowdrop engine that runs the Division games, as the first current gen only game to come from Ubisoft for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. 
Those hoping for a new showing of Beyond Good and Evil 2, despite misconduct and toxic behaviour allegations against creator Michel Ancel after his departure from the company in 2020 amid its reckoning on abuse, toxic behaviour and more, as well as the announcement of a new Splinter Cell, were going to be sorely disappointed. Meanwhile, Devolver ended up doing Devolver things, and the only meaningful thing that can be said about Borderlands developer Gearbox presentation is Sunday saw the first of E3's two main events in the form of a joint Microsoft and Bethesda showcase, the first since the two entities came together. And it kicked off with the game everyone was gasping and dying to see for nearly three years at this point. We've traveled the worlds of Elder Scrolls, of Fallout, and now, for the first time in over 25 years, we're creating a new universe with Starfield. Set hundreds of years in our future, it's an epic about hope, our shared humanity, and answering our greatest mystery. It's a game we've dreamt of playing, and it wasn't until now that we have the hardware, the technology, and the team who's hard at work at home to make that dream a reality. We're excited to finally share our first in-game teaser and something to look forward to. Starfield was given a November 11th, 2022 release date. 11 years to the day since its biggest release ever, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim was released, and nearly 30 years since the launch of its last original IP. And as expected, it will be a full Xbox Series X and S exclusive alongside the PC version. So no PlayStation 5 version. But that wasn't all from Microsoft or Bethesda. It announced a sequel for The Outer Worlds was in the works from Obsidian Entertainment alongside the previously announced Avowed and early access work of Grounded, although its reveal was too meta for its own good. It also announced it was publishing the next game from Mad Max and Just Cause developer Avalanche Studios, a new IP known as Contraband. Microsoft also revealed the first in-game look and release date of April 28, 2022 for Stalker 2 from GSC Gameworld unthinkable even five years ago, let alone ten. A bevy of excellent indie games, including Somerville, and the surprise reveal of Forza Horizon 5 from Playground Games, when it had been long believed the next Forza Motorsport game from Turn 10 would come before a fifth Horizon game. The showcases one more thing came in the form of the reveal of a brand new immersive sim vampire IP from the masters of the immersive sim genre. Redfall from Dishonored 1 and Prey developer Arcane Austin for a summer 22 launch on Xbox Series X and S and PC. Square Enix followed up immediately after and didn't provide too many highlights beyond the Souls-like Final Fantasy game from Neo developer Team Ninja. But the long-rumoured Guardians of the Galaxy game was given an official reveal from Eidos Montreal. Those expecting a third and final chapter to Adam Jensen's story from the modern Deus Ex games were to be disappointed. Including me. <laughs> also revealed as part of the Future Game Show block, that's the PC Gaming Show and the Future Gaming Show, Immortality was unveiled as the next game from her story and telling lies creator Sam Barlow, telling the story of a successful actress who suddenly disappeared one day. The second and final major event of E3 came in the form of a Nintendo Direct that featured Kazuma from Tekken being announced for Super Smash Bros and a few other little things. Those expecting the first proper look at Metroid Prime 4 following its 2017 tease and development reboot in 2019 by Retro Studios were to be disappointed. But 
A brilliant consolation prize came in the form of a bona fide Metroid 5, revealed as Metroid Dread from Samus Return Studio Mercury Steam for an October launch. The Direct also finally provided our first main look at the follow-up to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild in two years and confirmed it was intended to release the game in 2022, although it still was not given the official subtitle. Even after E3 when things usually quieten down for a month or two, big things still dropped. Portal creator Kim Swift, after stints at Amazon and Square Enix, joined Xbox Game Studios to help development on cloud gaming at Xbox. Her first project, a rumoured Xbox exclusive coming from Kojima Productions and Hideo Kojima that as of recording has yet to be announced, even post Game Awards. Chances are if this is happening, belief is an agreement has been signed, an announcement will happen at E3 next year. Following his departure from Bioware at the end of 2020 as part of a second stint there as GM, Mass Effect creator Casey Hudson announced the formation of a brand new developer, Humanoid Studios. Six months after it was removed, weeks following its release at the end of 2020, Sony officially allowed back on sale Cyberpunk 2077 on the PlayStation Store. Two new control games were officially confirmed to be on the way from Remedy and 505 Games. The first, a multiplayer PvE project set in the control universe known as Project Condor. The second, being a full-fledged sequel to the original Control. And speaking of the finished game dev scene, Sony announced it was acquiring Returnal developer Housemark to become a full-fledged first-party studio within PlayStation Studios. Housemark would be the first of several acquisitions over the course of the summer from Sony, including former Square Enix support studio Nexus Software and Firesprite, a developer comprising of former studio Liverpool devs. But on the day the Housemark acquisition is announced, PlayStation Japan erroneously tweeted an announcement that welcomed an entirely different studio to the PlayStation Studios family, and one which was expected at that point. Demon Souls and Shadow of the Colossus remake studio Bluepoint Games. But that tweet had nothing of substance to it. At least, not at that exact moment. Press Play is hosted, written, and produced by me, Johnny Kong. There is too much going on here. So that's why this is now a two-parter. So much happened over the course of 2021 that in producing this special, we didn't realize how long it'd be. So we split the special into two parts. You can listen to part two as a separate episode tomorrow publicly as this episode goes out on all the podcast platforms. Or, you can listen to it right now if you become a $2 podcast early access to your Patreon to our Patreon at patreon.com slash playdiaries. A dollar a month gets you in on the ground level and is massively appreciated for the work put out. Consider the tip jar sorts. But $2 a month gets you 24-hour exclusive access to new episodes of Press Play as well as the new season of My Favourite Game when it starts next month before they go live publicly. And for more stuff like this in the future, both in podcast and written form, please visit playdiaries.com. We'll see you in part two. Thanks very much for listening.